The brand new WERU Community Radio app has been launched. Now you can listen to WERU live and archive shows from your phone. This past year, WERU received a grant from the Maine Community Foundation to develop a WERU smartphone app to make community radio more accessible. The new app is available on both Apple and Android smartphones. Just search for WERU Community Radio in your app store. A very big thank you to the Maine Community Foundation for funding to develop the app. We hope you enjoy it. Totally. Support for WERU comes from the Abbey Museum, Maine's first Smithsonian affiliate, founded in 1928 at Sir de Mon Spring in Acadia National Park, and open year-round in downtown Bar Harbor with two locations and one mission to inspire new learning about the Wabanaki nations with every visit. More information at abbeymuseum.org. And you're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99, no longer 99.9 in Bangor, but still in my memory. WERU.org everywhere. Don't forget to support us because we are a voice of many voices. We're a volunteer-powered, as you well know, and we are listener-supported, as you are one of those listeners. Do give us a call at 469-6600 with whatever help you can give us as we continue on our road for instruction and education and enlightenment and entertainment. Stay tuned for Wabanaki Windows. Welcome to Webinaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. Webinaki Windows is a monthly show featuring Webinaki perspectives, topics, and opinions, as well as interviews with Native artists, writers, and people of interest. Today, our guests are James Francis, Director of Penobscot Nation Cultural and History Department, uh, Christopher Sokalexis, who's the Tribal Preservation Officer. Uh, they're both uh, Penobscot Tribal Nation members. And our topic today for the show is the life and uh, legacy of Andrew Sokalexis, uh, the Penobscot Nation's famous runner who uh, actually ran in the 1912 Olympics held in Sweden that year. Uh, so I'll start out by uh, asking Chris, because I don't think you've really been on the show that often, so if you could just maybe tell us a little bit about what you do and, you know... Just something about yourself. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm the Tribal Historic Preservation Officer for the Penobscot Nation. Uh, I guess in a nutshell, I'm the tribal archaeologist. So my educational background's in anthropology and archaeology. Okay. And <laughs> okay. I'll ask you some questions later on. I'm sure that you'll be prepared for those. But uh, James... Tell us a bit about uh, Andrew Sokalexis. Well, for me, uh, Andrew uh, became very prominent in my life around around the age of 10. Um, both me and Chris um, ran for the Penobscot Nation on a track team called the Andrew Sokalexis Track Club. And we had ASTC ablazoned across our chest. And I spent a lot of... Um, overnights at Chris's house because his his dad was our coach and um, you know for me that name Andrew Sock Alexis really kind of made me curious about you know who Andrew was but also at a very young age of 10 really sparked my interest in tribe history and so um, I really credit um, Andrew Sock Alexis and running as as a as a youth um, with Andrew Sokalexis ablazing across our chest as one of those pivotal moments in my life um, that really inspired me to be a runner, um, but also um, a historian. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a role model, I think, for uh, a lot of the youth nowadays. And, you know, the, the thing is with uh, people like Andrew and, and Lewis and uh, a few, couple others, we don't hear about them. We don't hear about who they were, what they did. We don't. We didn't hear about their life. Um, so I think uh, the show today is important because we're going to focus on 
Andrew and Andrew's uh, life and his legacy. So, uh, <clears throat> and I understand that he started as a as a young uh, child at ten uh, running. So, <laughs> tell me about that one, James. Yeah, yeah. He he started, you know, roughly the the same age that I did, and his um, his father uh, built a track around around their house and. Um, his father, who was who was an avid runner, uh, encouraged him to um, you know run around that seven or eight times on that track just to to get his his legs moving. Um, you know, there's a there's a really interesting story that um, you know Andrew's father used to um, participate in this um, this five hour run. It wasn't necessarily a race. Um, but they would, um, this was indoors at the old hall, the meeting, the meeting hall on Indian Island. And it was said that they would, um, they would take sawdust that they said was probably all four inches thick. And they would, they would make this track around this very small hall. And, um, they said that uh, people would be sitting in the bleachers, but they'd leave the first couple of rows of the bleachers empty because it was such a small track and so tight to someone to actually pass somebody they'd have to jump up on the first seats of the bleachers to to run by them. They said that it was um, you know this in this five hour race it would keep track of how many laps. They said it would take about twenty two laps indoors to equal a mile. But these these guys would compete for five hours, running wow. continuously indoors, and it it was really um, like a community event to come and see these folks do it. Right. And I'm sure Andrew, growing up, you know, witnessed this many times, and it really, um, you know, spurred him to to become a runner. Like you know, <clears throat> now this it was the old town hall, and I kind of remember that that hall, the community hall. Uh, and uh, it's gone now, totally, totally raised out of there. But to have a track inside that building, you know, with bleachers, I, you know, I think they had a lot of events that they did there too. Um, I just can't, I can't imagine in, in taking how many laps, 20 something, 21? Yeah, 22. 22. Yeah. And then to, as each, person went around they kept track of those laps and how did they keep track of well they had these um large wooden beads uh on a you know on a long peg and they would like move the bead down almost like an abacus just keeping track of every every time that they would uh, do a lap and um so it was so the winner was determined by by uh who ran the longest distance within that five hours wow yeah (laughs) Wow. Um, yeah, and the fact that he started when he was 10, and, he, the, and his father, I think his father's name was, uh, what, Francis? Um, I believe so. I, I don't have it right in front of me. I think I read that somewhere. His father's name was Francis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his father had an interest in running, too. So mm-hmm. where that came from? I, I think we have a long tradition of running w- within our community, um, you know, that dates back to, you know, culturally many, many generations um, because, you know, one of the traditions that we would have when um, when something significant happened in the community, we would send runners to the other villages right. to kind of uh, announce what was going on or that there was a sp- an important meeting come up, coming up or maybe a chief died or some very important information. And back in the, in the 1980s, <clears throat> um, former chief uh, Barry Dana uh, started to um, do this kind of pilgrimage run from Indian Island to Mount Katahdin called the Katahdin 100. And his inspiration was, um, were these runners uh, from the community who would run from village to village to bring this information, uh, sometimes great distances. Yeah, I think I read somewhere <clears throat> where they trained these these uh, youth, uh, the young men, to run and, you know, kept them uh, fit. And Yeah, I mean, certainly it was uh, important that um, when you have 
you know, Penobscot village sites all up and down the Penobscot River. It was important to um, keep that communication um, at the ready. And so to have young, um, strong runners in the community was really important. Yeah. So this legacy was carried on <clears throat> in, a, in a huge way by Andrew. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, his, um, he was, um, you know, pivotal in our community, especially when I was a youth. But even before that, I mean, the Andrew Soccer Lexus Club actually began as a, an official track club in the, in the 1960s. That we have elders in our community today who, um, you know, participated under that banner. And, um, and so, you know, we wanted to honor Andrew Soccer Lexus by putting together what's called the Andrew Soccer Lexus Training Trail on Indian Island. And he had, he had several different types of training trails. You know, an elder in our community when I was growing up named Susie Dana was, what they were talking about um, how he would um, run around the, around the island, which is right along the river, kind of the circumference of the island, and how they would wait for him to come out of the woods and watch him run when she was uh, very young. But also he used to um, shovel off the ice on the river and run in the wintertime on, on the ice, which uh, I found really um, interesting. He said that his, uh, his running spikes, you know, cutting into the smooth ice, it sounds like kind of dangerous to me. <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> wow. Um, so now he ran in the uh, in the Boston Marathon a few times too, right? Yeah. Am I, am I going too fast? You did you want to back up and say something prior well, to? Well, no, no, I, I didn't. But I, I, I think that. Um, you know, you know, Chris has some some experience, uh, you know, going down to the Boston Marathon and sharing some history on Andrew down there. So I, I want to defer to to Chris on his uh, accomplishments at the Boston Marathon. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, excuse me. In 2016, uh, the Boston Athletics Association was celebrating uh, a couple of different um, factions of the marathon itself. One of them was the 50th anniversary of women in the marathon, as well as they were celebrating all Native American marathoners who ran Boston. Uh, And, of course, Andrew running it three times uh, and succeeding, in my opinion. uh, We get the invite to to go down. Um, So... Uh, fellow tribal member Dale Lowler and I went down. Uh, he trained all winter to run the marathon, and um, and it was a great weekend. You know, being with other Native Americans who were representing their families who ran in the Boscoe Marathon. Um, it wasn't just Penobscot. We had you know Narragansett uh, champion Ellison Brown, and then an Onondaga champion uh, Thomas Longboat. So their families were represented as well. And then with that along with the 50th anniversary of women running, uh, fellow uh, Wabanaki distance runner Patty Dillon, um, she's a three-time runner-up in the Boston Marathon, so she was there celebrating as well. Wow. So did you, did you run it, or did you go down to, to talk, to give lectures? Um, I did some presentations throughout the weekend, uh, throughout the expo, and uh, Dale was our designated runner. Yeah. So how many marathons has Dale Lola been in, do you know? Or? I don't. He, um, this was the second time that I know of that he had run the Boston Marathon in 2012 on the anniversary of um, Andrew's uh, second place finish in the Boston Marathon. He ran, he ran three times. Um, Andrew ran in 1911, um, which he was pretty unknown um just out of the blue and he uh, finished i believe 17th but the subsequent years of 1912 he finished second behind uh, michael ryan and then in 1913 
he also finished again second behind um, Fritz Carlson. So in honor of that 100th uh, anniversary of, um, you know, Andrew running in, in 2012, Dale Lola, um, the Penobscot Nation Police Chief Bob Bryant, and former Penobscot Chief uh, Barry Dana um, represented the Penobscot Nation, and all three of them ran in the Boston Marathon. Did they finish? Yeah, all three of them finished. Um, in fact, they said it was quite hot, sweltering uh, day to be running running the Boston Marathon. Yeah, and I I think I remember. I don't know, but <clears throat> they've they've been in other uh, races too. I think they went to Canada for something. I I don't know. That's just recently, but there's a lot of uh, they do a lot of running. Yeah, yeah, they they most certainly do, and you know they they really carry Andrew's legacy with them when they do that. You know um, when they did the Boston Marathon, it was um, they were doing it to to raise money for the then very active uh, Penobscot River Restoration Project, uh, which was a very noble goal, freeing um, the river from the the binds of dams and getting. Um, you know, migratory fish back into reservation waters. Right. So, I came across the, in my little research, actually a couple things. Uh, I think it was, I'm not sure what year it was, but uh, Representative uh, Wayne Mitchell did a sentiment uh, recognizing uh, Andrew Sokolexis. Um And in, in his sentiment, he makes a lot of uh, uh, points about what Andrew's accomplishments were. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the resolution just so we get an overall. And if something just comes out, just kind of address that uh, when we finish it. And, uh, you know, sentiments in the legislature are used to recognize the accomplishments of individuals. Uh, and the whole legislature uh, recognizes that individual person and honors that person. So this uh, resolution honored Andrew Sokolexis. And uh, it said, whereas Andrew Sokolexis, a Penobscot Indian, was the first runner in the state of Maine to make a mark on the national, international scene and to this day, he ranks among the greatest main runners of all time because of his notable placings in important races. And I, I think that, uh, I think he might have been the first main Olympic runner. I'm not sure. 1912, I think he was, but anyway. Uh, whereas in 1912, Mr. Sucklexus was one of 123 starters in that year's Boston Marathon, finishing second which earned him a spot on the United States Olympic team, where he was one of 12 American marathoners who ran in Stockholm. And whereas Mr. Sokolexis, at the age of 20, was a member of the prestigious North Dorchester Athletic Club from the greater Boston area, and he was widely regarded as a serious contender to win the marathon, and one Boston newspaper columnist called him the favorite to win a gold medal. And whereas Mr. Sokolexis, known for his smooth and effortless running style, felt he waited too long to pick up the pace and finished fourth in the marathon, still a major accomplishment and noteworthy achievement. Whereas also in 1912, Mr. Sokolexis finished in second place to the great Clarence DeMar, a seven-time Boston Marathon winner in a 19-mile race from Old Town, Maine, to Bangor's Maplewood Park, now known as Bass Park. And whereas, he entered the Boston Marathon in 1913 and was considered one of the favorites to win, and he passed runner after runner but could not close the gap to the leading runner, and he placed second in that year's marathon. And whereas, it was in 1913 that Mr. Sokolixis first developed tuberculosis or, or consumption as it was commonly known at that time 
and he was sick for many years, dying at the age of 27 in South Paris uh, uh, in the summer of 1919. And whereas Andrew Sokolexis was honored at his passing by the United States Olympic Committee with a headstone that was engraved, quote, a member of the American Olympic team at the 5th Olympiad held in Stockholm, Sweden in July 1912. And whereas Andrew Sokolexis is a member of the charter class of the main running Hall of Fame established in 1989 and a member of the main sports Hall of Fame uh, as well as the American Indian Athletic Hall of Fame, now therefore be it resolved that we, the members of the 124th legislature now assembled in the first regular session on behalf of the people we present, represent, take this opportunity to recognize the memory of Andrew Sokolexis on the 90th anniversary of his untimely death and to honor him as one of Maine's great athletes who brought much pride to the Penobscot Nation and to all the people of Maine. In, indeed. You know, um, that 1912 Olympics um, had a real uh, great showing for Native Americans in general. Um, you know, that was the the Olympics where, um, you know, the King of Sweden actually announced, actually told Jim Thorpe, who was there, um, that you, sir, are the greatest athlete this world has ever seen. Wow. And um, at the <clears throat> Penobscot Nation Museum, we have a, um, a picture of... Uh, Andrew Sokolexis standing with Jim Thorpe and also with a, a Hopi distance runner named uh, Louis uh, Tewanima. And, um, you know, this is something that we really prize, you know, because this really shows this Native American solidarity. And, um, you know, it, it does me really proud as, as you know, a, a runner um, to have that kind of legacy uh, there in those Olympics. Yeah. And he really had a uh, uh, a love for running and uh, really was unstoppable. Couldn't stop him from, from running. And uh, I, I, I'll let you talk about that last race that he ran in. Yeah, you know, uh, a kind of a very, very tragic race uh, that took place in 1916. Uh, it was it's often marked as Andrew's last race. It was a 15-mile uh, race from Old Town to, to Bangor, um, what is now Bass Park. Um, so um, he ran against some of uh, his greatest competitors in his life and uh, a bunch of young runners uh, from, from Indian Island, including my, my great-grandfather, Sylvester Francis, and Arthur Neptune and Everett Ranko. Um, you know, prior to the, that race date, Andrew was suffering, as you mentioned, uh, from, from severe cold and complained of chest pains, you know, against doctor's warnings. He insisted on running the race, uh, because he did not, not want to disappoint uh, his friends or fans or his family. And, um, so he he wins this race about 15 miles long and um when he crosses the finish line he coughs and he coughed up blood um and this this was the kind of um the telltale signs of of that con consumption coming in and um he actually dies 3 years later um in south paris maine um of tb of tuberculosis. But since since his death, <clears throat> there are uh, Penobscot Nation <clears throat> youth uh, club, a youth club that's been started, or yeah, you know, when we were growing up, as I mentioned, it was the Andrew Sokolexis Track Club, and that has um, um, that can can continued for many, many years after that. And then uh, the youth program had a, uh, a youth in uh, running and walking club. Um, but um, today, the 
Cultural and Historic Preservation Department of the Penobscot Nation is um, working with the youth program, and we've started up the Andrew Sock Alexis Track Club again. And um, you know, we're looking for venues to, you know, put a team together and uh, begin running races again. Now the the trail you said that he had a number of trails that he would run, and I guess you're sort of uh, reinventing those or, or or looking at those now. Yeah, so so a couple of years ago, I was uh, approached by Dale Lola and Bob Bryant, um, two of the three people who had ran the. Uh, Boston Marathon back in 2012 on the 100th anniversary. And um, they had been hosting a race on Indian Island called the Ralph Thomas uh, Memorial Race. It was uh, an 8K race, roughly just under five miles long. And um, Ralph Thomas, who is also in the main uh, running Hall of Fame, fantastic Penobscot runner, um, was shown as a youth by an elder one of um, Andrew's training trails. And he took Dale and Bob aside and says, hey, I want to show you this trail. And so they went all went for a jog, and they ran from um, the commons, you know, right in front of the old hall, and uh, ran up down street and um, to Oak Hill and all the way to the highest point on Indian Island, uh, which is three quarters of a mile, and then ran back down. And as as a youth, um, Ralph was told that this was, you know, where Andrew had done some of his hill training because it's all uphill. And um, so uh, Ralph started religiously uh, running that trail. And so you know, Bob and Dale had come to me and asked me, hey, you know, we want to put together this training trail and have some signs that um, highlight some of the history of Andrew. Um, but also, we really want this to kind of promote um, health and wellness in the community and, you know, give an opportunity for the, the youth to have some, some alternative activities, um, you know, around uh, physical fitness. And so, um, yeah, we gladly uh, took this on and we uh, developed some history narrative and we developed uh, four signs, each placed on Indian Island uh, in quarter-mile intervals. So you can actually use the sign, you know, as a training mechanism because they're exactly quarter-mile away from each other. And, um, you know, each sign has uh, different elements you know, I think the first one really highlights the trail itself and, and some of those old trails that Andrew used to run, you know, on the ice and in the old hall and the one his dad built for him that was around the house. And there's another mysterious trail that people often talk about that was through the woods of Indian Island and actually had um, banked corners. Um, we have yet to find that. Um <laughs> Um, but some of the other signs, uh, you know, highlight his 1912 Olympic um, accomplishments. And, um, you know, another one highlights his Boston Marathon um, accomplishments. And the last one really looks at, you know, health and wellness and how, um, you know, that, that legacy of, of running uh, within the Penobscot community. I think it's... Uh, you know, I think it's something that is, you know, still strong today. We have uh, some incredible youth who, um, you know, who are great runners. You know, my, my son, Landon Francis, you know, although not a distance runner or a marathon runner, uh, broke the school record in the, in the 55 last year. You know, go Penobscot. And, um, you know, Lee Francis's boy, uh, ben, who runs for Hudson College now, is a, is a fine distance runner. So that legacy, you know, continues today. And so um, by having, having these signs, you know, we're really linking health and wellness to, you know, the, our history and culture, kind of 
bringing them bringing them together and honoring not only Andrew but um, you know Michael Ranko who who Mike Mike Sock Alexis who did a lot of um, research on Andrew and interviewed elders in the community you know these um, signs really honor their voices in in the history record and um, I think it's a fantastic project and um, you know we're going to be uh, putting these signs up um, this Saturday at, yeah. in, a, in an event at one o'clock on Indian Island. Great and uh, and uh, um, well right now I think uh, Chris do you have something you wanted to add to this conversation? Um, yeah I mean I'm like James we our age group we're up running um, with a number of other students uh, within our generation you know and I felt privileged to do that in many levels. Um, not only were we coming together as our youth um, for a good cause, but we were continuing on a tradition, a running tradition within the Penobscot Nation as well as the state of Maine. Um, you know, and we definitely want to carry that forward. Like James says, you know, his son runs. Uh, my daughter currently runs, is running cross country and track for the University of Maine. So continuing on that tradition, but for us, you know, James and I and a couple of others were lucky enough in the 80s um, to travel, you know, not only with uh, the Andrew Sock Alexis Track Club, but becoming members of a team, Maine, after qualifying. So I know you, we went out to the Nationals Championships, you being in Wyoming, I believe, and I think mine was in um, Kansas. Yeah, mine, mine was, so in, in 79, um, we ran in the state meet at... Uh, Marana Cook or uh, yeah Marana Cook high, uh, high School, and then the regionals were uh, Grand Island, New York, which is just upriver from Niagara Falls. So um, got to see Niagara Falls at a young age, um, and then nationals were actually on uh, in in Trenton, New Jersey, um, and um, you know that was quite an honor to to represent the Penobscot Nation, you know, uh, with. Andrew Sock Alexis across our chest, you know, in that in that national race. Um, so it was it was quite an honor and, and really a, a kind of a true testament to to Michael Sock Alexis and his dedication to us as uh, young runners. I mean, we were ten years old and we were training. You know, we weren't just showing up at races. He had us out there running, you know, every day. And you know, for me, that translated into a very successful high school. Uh, career as a runner um, but it was something that uh, you know I grew up with that just seemed natural to to be a runner uh, in our community Wow so Mike did some really good good stuff oh, I he, would think with the kids and uh, didn't he also do a uh, start a school or something um, like a high school or that that was like lasted for a couple of years, but uh, um, I think that was after the ASTC years. I think so. Yeah, it kind of transformed into well, as we were all getting older, <laughs> getting into high school. Yeah. So you know, we kind of kept up with that and um, changed the name to Athletics East. So we started involving um, non-native runners who are friends in high school. And we're, it became almost like a road racing club rather than a track club. Um, yeah. And that lasted a couple of years, and that was, that was fun as well. And the distances got longer. So instead of running three to five miles, we're basically running up to half marathons at that time. You know, it just seems to me that you guys were doing a lot back then. You know, you did the uh, national meet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember hearing much about that. Was it was it in the papers or was people people know about that? Yeah, um, you know, at that time, uh, especially in '79 when we when we ran in in the nationals, um, that I think that was the first time in a while that we had made it to the nationals. Uh, it appeared in um, uh, in the Wabanaki Alliance, which was a, a community uh, Native American community wide newspaper uh, within Maine. Um, but also, I was. Um, I was featured on Bill Green's 
television program. Um, you know, I, I actually went to uh, Northeast Historic Film, you know, in the last couple of years and uh, got the footage of me running in my little red tracksuit uh, when I was 10, um, you know, because of, uh, you know, the, the, national, the national race was, it was a big deal because you had to, First of all, you had to qualify at the state level to make it to the regionals. And then at the regionals, you know, they took top 12 runners that advanced to the nationals. And so that, that was a, a, a really big deal. And, um, and so I, I was able to qualify, you know, through all those, those levels. And it was, uh, you know, I didn't have the best race in the nationals. I think I, I finished, I don't know, 105th out of... I don't know. Hundred and fifth. Yeah. No. No, there was three hundred plus runners. Just kidding. Um but the um you know, I had finished second in the in the state meet by a, a young runner. Um and uh he actually and his name was Finn Kelly, actually won won the nationals that year. He was a really strong uh runner from Maine. Um went on to run at Brandeis University. Oh. Um, but really admired that that kid, and, and boy, could never beat him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like in the same boat. Uh, I was a couple of years behind him. So in 1982, when I went through that whole process of the states and regionals, uh, there was an exceptional runner, Bobby Sprague from Scarborough. Couldn't beat him. I tried all, all season, and he ended up, we all became on part of Team Maine uh, when we went out to Kansas, and he got third in the in the national championships. I had a rough race as well, but um, I'm proud to be out there. You know, I finished within the like you. I think I was 109th out of 300 and something runners, but Team Maine got third place overall. So we all came home with bronze medals yeah. from the national championships cross country. Well, great. So that, that provides you with some really great experience and probably some uh, friendships that you, you made. Yeah, you know, e- e- even today, you know, when um, it wasn't just, you know, me and Chris who ran on Andrasaka Lexus Track Club. My, my, my brother Jojo ran. Um, you know, Ronnie Paul was a pretty accomplished runner in his youth. Uh, Sherry Mitchell uh, mm-hmm. was actually on that trip to... Um, Grand Isle in New York, as as well as uh, Greta Neptune, uh, mm-hmm. so that we had a pretty strong uh, girls team also. So it was um, a very bonding experience too. You know, uh, Greta talks often about about that trip, and um, you know we had a really good time. Um, so you know, for us, part of part of this training trail is is you know that legacy. Because, like I mentioned earlier, it, it's one of those earliest times for me that really spawned uh, a love, you know, passion uh, for our community's history. And, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, I'd be where I am today without, you know, both the discipline of running and also that kind of curiosity about who, who is Andrew Sock Alexis. Right. And we did. We used to have uh, field days. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me. I was in one, and we ran around the pond. I think I'm not sure how far all that that was. Yeah, the Andrew Sokolexis four miler. I'm not sure what yeah. that was, but I I ran. I didn't want to do it, but I ran anyway. You know, and uh, I that takes a lot out of you. I mean, I was so winded i could just barely get across that line but i came in first i remember that and ever since then i was teased they used to call me uh i shouldn't say this because i'll be getting it back uh they used to call me wilma rudolph <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, so uh later mike sock alexis uh, chris's dad uh, began hosting Andrew Sokolexis Road Race, and it would fall on the, the same weekend that we have our community days in the summertime. And there was a coveted prize. You know, I didn't care about winning the race. Um, what I cared about was the first Penobscot finisher. 
And so I had my eyes set on that prize. And um, boy, you know, I, I still have the picture of my brother <laughs> holding that trophy. <laughs> You know, he, he was he was a pretty accomplished runner himself, but he he could never beat me except for on that one day, the the day that it really counted. And uh, he often, you know, teases me about that day. But, uh, you know, we, we also we also played baseball, which is, you know, his sport. Um, and we actually played on the Louis Sock Alexis Memorial Baseball Field on Indian Island. Um, and... Um, as a youth, I, I won most valuable player on that, you know, edging out him out in, in his Karma. sport where, right, exactly. Um, so there's awful lot of competition, you know, within, within our family. Um, but, you know, again, I think that, uh, you know, for many years we've been really honoring, you know, both of the Sock Alexis, you know, Lu Louis Sock Alexis right. was um, Andrew's, Andrew's cousin, right? And um, I see you've got some notes on him. I here. do. I just uh, not much, um, but just that uh, Louis, you know, was a, they were both famous. I mean, Louis was the famous baseball player for uh, Cleveland. Yeah, the Spiders. The spiders, yeah. And Louis, uh, he was born in eighteen seventy one, and he died in nineteen thirteen six years before uh, Andrew passed. But Andrew was born in 1892. He passed in 1919. So Lewis was like 42 when mm -hmm. he passed. and uh, About twice as Andrew, old yeah. as a Andrew, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the, there, there are some say that, um, you know, the Cleveland organization today are, are called the Cleveland Indians uh, in, in honor of, of uh, Louis Sock Alexis, although he never played under that um, that mascot, um, he played when they were they called the Spiders. And there's a uh, you know for me as a as a young baseball player, um, you know he really in inspired me. And there was always this um, this story of him in the community that uh, he could he could throw a baseball across the river. I remember that story. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so it's it's those things, you know, that that uh, through the years that we as a community have really been honoring um, these sock Alexis's. And uh, today, you know, we have a, a facility there. It used to be a, a hockey arena and then uh, we converted into our, our bingo palace. But it's called the sock Alexis Arena, um, later the sock Alexis Bingo Palace. And within the in the lobby of that, um, we have um, a trophy case with uh, Andrew's trophies in it, and also some plaques. Um, when they were inducted, they were both inducted into the uh, Native American Hall of Fame, and um, actually, uh, my uncle uh, Reuben Butch Phillips, um, you know, represented the tribe. Um, yeah, that was where where that happened. I think it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay. is when where where they, um, I, I know it was in Oklahoma, um, but um, yeah, and so um, we actually took those plaques. We had to put together an exhibit at the United and South and Eastern Tribes fiftieth anniversary, which was held in Mississippi earlier this month. And um, we had to put together a, a cultural exhibit um, kind of telling the story of Penobscot. And so you know, we took the typical, we had a birch bark canoe model and snowshoes, uh, the chief's regalia. Um, but we also had, um, along with root clubs and baskets, these two plaques um, because we felt that, you know, they're an important contribution to who we are. Uh, as a community. Um, and so those plaques uh, have been on display in the Sock Alexis building, along with, um, you know, history placards and panels talking about their careers and, um, you know, all the like. Yeah. Now, did you get a, a picture of that exhibit? 
Um, yeah, yeah, we, we it, did. Like on video or something? Or? Well, we took pictures with our phone. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been posted all, all over Facebook, but it's... It might uh, be neat to, you know, just have see it in the museum or something. You yeah, know? It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was nice because it was it was actually kind of a little microcosm of what you would find at the Penobscot Museum today. Yeah. Uh, a, a nice cross-sectional representation of, uh, you know, who we are as people. Right. Now, on um, Saturday, um, November 23rd at 1 o'clock, uh, we're all going to meet down at uh, where the commons was, uh, right at the church on Indian Island, St. Anne's Church, and we're going to actually put up this training trail signs. Um, we got uh, We sent out a press release, and... Uh, the media will be there, and we're gonna we're gonna walk we're gonna walk the trail, and um, uh, represented from the state house is gonna present us with a, a proclamation um, honoring um, the you know the legacy of Andrew, and um, we're also gonna stop off at Andrew's grave and uh, leave leave a gift for him and honor him as we, the trail goes right by the cemetery where he's buried. Um, but this is going to be, uh, you know, uh, a nice event, you know, to honor him in our community. And um, former Chief Barry Dana um, has decided that he's going to actually retrace or backtrack, I should say, um, that 15-mile race, Andrew's last race. So he's going to, um, starting at 10 o'clock, he's going to start at Bass Park, and he's going to run to Indian Island um, doing the Andrew's last trail backwards and then meeting us on Indian Island for the 1 o'clock uh, start of the, uh, the unveiling of the Andrew Soccer Lexus training trail. And so um, he's asked me to, you know, put out the word that is, there's anybody who wants to join him on this run that they're gathering at 9:30 between 9:30 and 10 o'clock at Bass Park on Saturday morning uh, to start that run up the river. Yeah. Well, don't look at me. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I can hardly walk, let alone run. <laughs> but uh, I bet you, uh, I bet you, Ambassador Dana will do it. Mullion. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I I think I think she is planning to do it. Yeah, yeah. She's young enough. Mm-hmm. She is, but you know, I was I was very pleased that um, you know um, Governor Mills actually issued a uh, a proclamation um, in honor in honor of Andrew, and it it really highlights. Um, some of the, and I'll just read a few of these because it's kind sure. of redundant of yeah. what you shared earlier. You know, it, you know, at the age of ten, he began very successful running career, um, and at uh, by age of eighteen, he took seventeenth in the Boston Marathon, and then um, at eight uh, in nineteen qualified for the nineteen twelve Olympics. Um, Andrew took second place in the Boston Marathon in 1912 and 13 and, and competed in many other races across New England over the years. And in 1916, upon crossing the finish line at his last race, a 15-mile race from Old Town to Bangor, he began to cough up blood and collapsed. He was later diagnosed with tuberculosis. You know, these are stories that come out of our community and... Um, you know, were truly, truly inspiring, you know, for me growing up. And, um, you know, I think that this training trail really exemplifies, um, you know, this legacy of running in our community that needs to continue, that needs to be embraced. Um, you know, this whole thing is not only spawning, spawning health and wellness in our community along with the Ralph Thomas race, um, but also, you know, the um, the reenacting of the Andrew Sokolix's Track Club 
and also uh, you know honoring the many fine runners that come out of our Penobscot community. So I'm just curious. Now, I've never been a serious runner myself, <laughs> but uh, what does it take to train to run? What do, you, what do you have to do? You don't just get out there and run, do you? <laughs> uh, no, you know, for, for me, it, growing up on Indian Island, you know, my, my mom and my grandmother, you know, when you'd go out to play, they wouldn't say things like, don't leave the yard or, you know, stay on the street. All they ever said was, don't cross the bridge to Old Town. Don't go over town. And so as young kids, you know, if we wanted to go to Sandy Beach, we ran there. If we were going over to Joe P's, we ran there. Um, and so I grew up just running everywhere. So it came pretty naturally to me. Um, but when I, when I started to, you know, grow, you know, age 10, 11, 12, I got very, I was very thin and tall. And it was Chris's dad, Mike Sock Alexis, who um, taught me how to use that to my advantage. That I had, I had a very long stride, and I was a very efficient runner because of that stride. And you know, even today, you know, when I go out jogging, I have this muscle memory that wants me to go faster than my body can do today. So it's it's very challenging, um, but you know. I, I ran for decades, and so um, I think it's a, a lot of it's it's a mind game sometimes that you can I can sit in this place I call it sitting while I'm running I can sit in a place that is ultimately very very comfortable, and as as a high school student that was at about a five minute mile, and I could sit there all day long, um, you know so I was running sub five minute miles in high school um but you know for me it was all a mental game the fastest mile I ever run was because I was staring at a mole on the on on a guy's shoulder and <laughs> and he was he was uh, what was called a rabbit he was a runner who wasn't going to win the race um but he tried to take out everybody too fast hoping people would die off and then his teammates would win the race. Huh. Um, I never died in that race. Um, I just, because I was staring, almost mesmerized by that mole, keeping the same distance from him. And uh, before I knew it, the gun lap for the last lap was going off. And I, said, I can run a quarter mile pretty fast. So it was almost like I didn't run the race. So it's all a mental game. Um, and... You know, for me, running as a youth around Indian Island, that circumference around what's called the fire road, um, I could almost feel like Andrew's spirit with me. I, I knew of that history. I knew my great-grandfather used to help him train. Um, I've seen pictures of, um, you know, them on the starting line of, of races that took place in Old Town and the historic record. And so... They were all there in spirit with me. And, uh, you know, many times, well, except for that race where my brother beat me, um, they were there with me in spirit and allowed me to, you know, really, um, you know, translate that into, the, into uh, the fast times. So how do you train? Well, it definitely was a, a state of mind is how I looked at it. And, and again, you know, growing up running in the same trails, I had that in the back of my head as well as how many times did Andrew run this trail. Um, so growing up running there was, was really, really, uh, for me, I mean, it was home, but it was coming back home again and again and again. So every time I ran that trail, it was just reaffirming our origins right there on, on Indian Island, which I think is a lot different than today because I see people training today and they're wearing earbuds. So back then we didn't have earbuds, so you had to keep your mind busy as you're training, especially for me getting older, getting into more and more distance. It's like, you know, I remember at like age 12 and 13 training for half marathons. Um, and so I had to get that mindset in on, well, now i got to run 13 miles. How do you keep your mind busy? Um, and in all honesty, music. It was music. It was drumming, really, in the back of my mind as well growing up, 
with our traditional songs, that helped tremendously. Um, just remembering some of those old songs, just to keep your mind busy so you don't see that mile six and you think, oh, I got seven more miles to go. Wow, that's interesting. I think uh, music is is important, you know, in, the, in, that, in that drum. Yeah, oh, a- a- absolutely, you know. Uh, both the traditional music, but for me, when I was in high school, um, uh, the rock band Boston had the song called "Smokin'," and and "Smokin'" has a um, a tempo that that meshed really well with uh, my ability to run, you know, a quarter mile and and a six hundred and indoors, and so uh, I would listen to that song religiously before the race, and that and that tempo would drive me um, in in those races. So, yeah. So it kind of hones your your mental ability and just kind of keeps you going. Absolutely. So. So will you be there on Saturday when we... Um, of course you have to ask me on the radio, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I'm going to hold you to it, Don. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to let everyone know that it is Saturday is open to the public. Yeah. So we'd love to see people come in and honor, you know, Andrew's legacy. Yeah. And along and with if, us. And if you feel up to it, you can, uh, you know, join former Chief uh, Barry Dana in, in Bangor. at nine. Yeah, with my cane, I'll, I'll be right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, so we are going to walk them, you know, the, the mile and a half and actually put the signs up as we go. Um, you know, and again, we're going to honor Andrew and uh, stop and do a smudge and a prayer at, at his at his gravestone. And um, you know, it is our hope that um, you know, beginning next year. And I was kind of thinking about Andrew's birthday, which I believe is uh, August twenty sixth, um, or no, that's the that's the anniversary of his death, August twenty sixth. Excuse me. Um, to kind of redo that race every year from Old Town uh, to Bangor, that 15-miler, and as a way to, um, we want to raise some money to uh, put up a new headstone for Andrew in, in, the, um, in, in the cemetery on Indian Island. So um, a lot of talk around that is happening also. Yeah. Chris, do you have something you'd like to say before we... Um, yeah, I just think it's it's going to be a great um, honor to be a part of this again. We're bringing this forward to the next generation of runners, you know, and re- I think revitalizing the Andrew Sokolexis Track Club, running club, um, is, is going to be important for our community. You know, and again, it's going to continue on the traditions of being runners, um, but it's also going to, you know, what we're trying to do here with, with this running trail as well is promote health and wellness within our own community. Um and then spreading that out to other communities. James, last word. Yeah, um, I think this training trail, you know, beyond the health and wellness piece, um, this really honors uh, the research done by Mike Sokolexis and those voices of those elders uh, that he interviewed who knew Andrew personally, and in the case of, uh, you know, Arthur Neptune, who used to run with him. And so um, I think that's also an important thing that... um, those elders' voices um, be honored and um, highlighted in this way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's really uh, important that we we keep this legacy going and we recognize the people who have accomplished so much in our past and we don't let them disappear. I think that's really important. It's going to help us to move forward. Uh, so. We're about ready to end our show here. Uh, you're listening to WERU, Abenaki Windows. Uh, I'm your host, Donna Loring, and you've been listening to the show on Andrew Sokolexis with a guest, James Francis, the director of the Penobscot Nation uh, Cultural and uh, Historic Department, along with, uh, along with Chris Sokolexis, who's the... Uh, tribal uh, preservation officer and uh, thank you for listening the the music for our show is by Rolf Richter track called Little Eagles Uh, and the engineer for our show was John Greenman tune in again next month 
for another Webernacki Windows. Let's take a quick look at the weather while we got a chance here. Scattered rain showers before 5 p.m., then a slight chance of rain and snow showers. Cloudy with a high near 37. North winds 3 to 6 miles an hour. Chance of precipitation is 50%, and it's a little bit drizzly out there right now. And we're looking at a high of 37 today with a low of 31 tonight. Calm winds tonight. Mostly cloudy. And uh, high of 39 tomorrow, north winds around 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 9%, 9 miles an hour. Wednesday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 27, north winds around 10 miles an hour. In medieval times, the practice